I'm so excited. I tell you, you start getting me around numbers and seeing what God's doing and all them precious little babies and families, and I just get pumped. You ready for the word? All right, three of you. Let's try this again. You ready for the word? There we go. Hey, if you got your Bibles, open to the book of John chapter 21. If you didn't bring a Bible, you can look on your phones or certainly it'll be uh, behind me on the screen. We, we have been in a series now for a couple of weeks called The Wonder of Giving. And really the series is, is focused around this principle that when we give Jesus our nets, then Jesus ends up doing something amongst us that leaves us in astonishment or amazement or in wonder of the amazingness of God. And so that's kind of what the series is about. In the first couple weeks, we were looking at the book of Luke, chapter 5, and this week we're going to go to John, chapter 21. Now, those of you that have been with us for the past couple weeks, let me warn you, as we read this, it's going to look really similar to Luke 5. It's not the same story, two different perspectives, which happens a lot throughout the New Testament and the Gospels, but it's actually two different occasions, okay? So you're going to see some similarities to Luke 5 and John 21, but these are two different occasions. Y'all ready? John 21, we're going to start reading at verse 2, and we're just going to read about five verses. So John 21, verse 2, Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel from, Can- from, Cana, in- from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and the two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. You see the similarities? They're in a boat, fishing, catching nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. And he calls out to them and says, friends, haven't you any fish? In other words, did you catch anything? No, they answered. So he said, throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, now that was John. I don't want you to think that Jesus loved a disciple more than others. John just thought he was loved more than others. So the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off. We don't know why. And he jumped into the water. Do me a favor. I want you to nudge the person beside you. Go ahead and start nudging them. And I want you to share with them the title of my sermon. Nudge them and tell them this. Say, I'm coming out of my comfort zone. Tell them again. Say, I'm coming out of my comfort zone. How many of you can remember the last time you were really uncomfortable? Some of you are like, right now, right now is the moment. No, you know what I'm talking about? You just, it was just an uncomfortable moment, an uncomfortable experience. I have had a lot in my 35 years, uh, but I'll tell you my most recent moment of being uncomfortable was Thursday because I ate way too much food, amen? And, and I, I'm trying to figure out why they call it comfort food when it leaves you so uncomfortable. I can't quite figure that out. But, but there's just been moments. I've had moments in church where I was uncomfortable. Uh, I, I thought I'd share one with you real quick. When I was a youth pastor, I was in the middle of preaching, and this guy raised his hand. I, I don't mean like a response to something I said. He just raised his hand. And I didn't really know how to deal with that at first, so don't y'all start doing that to be funny. But, but I didn't know how to deal with that because I was in the middle of a sermon, and I was kind of on a roll, and I didn't have time to answer questions. And so I thought, well, you know, it's okay. I've got some pretty awesome leadership in the room, so one of the leaders will get up and go to him and say, hey, it's not really that 
time for that, uh, maybe after service. And, and that didn't happen. And, and then I realized that one of my leaders, Dustin, was sitting right behind the guy. And so while I was preaching, I was trying to give him kind of a hint, like, because he just had his hand up for about 20 minutes. I'm not lying, just completely up the whole time. And Dustin never got it. And so I finally had to stop in the middle of my sermon and go, hey, man, I'm sorry, but I can't address your question right now. After service, I'd love to. And after service, I kind of stood around like I'll do here a lot of times at Victory. And I, I, when service was over, I watched him kind of take a beeline for me down the aisle. And I thought, this is it. This is where I'll die. Right here, in, you know, as a youth pastor. This will be the, 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 the greatest part of my life. And, and so he's coming at me. And that night in the youth group, we had given out those uh, glow-in-the-dark, like, necklaces. You know what I'm talking about? And so he's coming at me with it like this. And I'm like, yeah, I'm dead. This is, like, you know, enjoyed it. Darla's not there to protect me. She's over there talking to her friends. All my leaders are over there talking to their friends. And there's poor Troy. Just, it's about to be over. And so he comes up to me, and he's like, Troy, Troy, I had this dream, man, and in this dream, we were sitting on a bench, and, and it was kind of like real life, except you were on this side, and I was on this side, and this dude is going so fast, and I have, I've never met him before in my life. And he's like, we're sitting on this bench, and you were on this side, and I was on that side, and then you got up, and but then you came back down, and then we moved sides, and I got on that side, and you got on this side, and then no lie, y'all, in the middle of this conversation, he picked up that little glow-in-the-dark ring and started to walk backwards, and he goes, but when you see the ring, and then he walked out of the youth group. why you're not laughing? Because it's uncomfortable. That's weird, y'all. Like someone should have arrested him at that moment. You know what I mean? Like there's just something weird about it. There's just a discomfort. And I don't know about you, but there's something about me that really likes to be comfortable, right? I, I, don't, I don't enjoy discomfort. And so all today, what I want to talk to you about is in the midst of enjoying our comfort, we got to come out of our comfort zone. If I was to be honest with you, I expected Peter to respond differently this time. You know, in Luke chapter 5, he, he experienced the same situation. And now in John 21, he experiences it again. Again, he's on a boat, on a lake, with a net, not catching anything, and Jesus gives him direction. I, I, I expected Peter to be more comfortable this time. But he wasn't. For some reason, he didn't like rally all the troops and go, hey, man, don't worry, I've done this before. Jesus is going to come through, and we're going to be able to have a fish fry. Like, there wasn't that moment. Instead, it was more of a frustration moment for Peter. And I just was reading that thinking, man, I kind of, for some reason, and I don't know about you, but just in my heart, I expected him to respond differently. And it made me have this thought. I think there is an underlining expectation for us that as our relationship with Christ matures, that faith will become easier. Almost like the more we sow, the simpler it'll be. You ever feel that way? You ever been told to feel that way? That like, that the longer you're a Christian, the easier it should be being a Christian. That, that the more you grow in God, the easier faith will be. And I haven't found that to be true. People will say, hey, the more you give, it'll be a lot easier to give the next time. I don't know that that's true. The more you serve, it'll be a lot easier to serve the next time. I don't know that that's true. The more you read the Bible, it'll be really easy to wake up in the morning and read the Bible. I, I don't know that that's true. I'm not saying it isn't, but I'm just telling you that there seems to be this underlining expectation for you and I that as we mature as Christians, that our faith should just all of a sudden be easier. The more you sow, the simpler it'll be. But I just don't know that that's the case. In fact, there's actually a, a culture amongst us, watch this, that says that 
um, if we don't love or enjoy every minute of it, then we should just abandon it. I want to debunk a myth. Or, or better yet, I want to uh, correct a misunderstanding. As you and I grow in our relationship with Christ, faith does not become easier. Faith becomes essential. It doesn't become easier. It becomes essential. I was talking about our culture, right, and this, this concept that if you don't love every minute of it or if, you don't, if you're not feeling every second of it, then, then just abandon it, right? Like, like you know, I talk to people all the time. They're like, man, I quit my job. I'm like, well, why did you quit your job? Like, man, I just wasn't feeling this part of it. It's like, well, were you feeling air conditioner? Like, you know, were you feeling indoor plumbing? Because now that you don't have a job, you're not going to have a paycheck. But there seems to be this concept that if I'm not enjoying every second of it, then I should just walk away from it. And it's that same mindset, watch this, where we associate Christ with comfort. And I want to tell you something this morning. Everything that you love will have a part that you don't prefer. For example, you love your job, but there's parts of it you don't prefer. You love your house, but there's parts of it you don't prefer. You love your car, some of us, but there's parts of it you don't prefer. I'll go deeper. You love your spouse, but there's parts of them you don't prefer. You love your kids, precious babies. But there will soon be parts of them that you don't prefer. <laughs> Preach, sister. Jesus loved us. He didn't prefer the cross. Everything that you love is going to have parts of it that you don't prefer. And yet, for some reason, we think that the moment Christianity becomes uncomfortable, we should just abandon it, right? But we need to understand that if we truly love Christ and Christ loves us, there's going to be moments that we don't prefer. Doesn't mean it's bad. It's just our comfort zones don't prefer the discomfort. But in order for you and I to be able to truly catch a miracle, or if you were here a couple weeks ago, in order for you and I to be able to catch the whoa, we're going to have to forsake our comfort. So I'm reading in John 21. The disciples go out to fish because they're waiting on Jesus. They go out, and the Bible says that they went out to fish at night and that they're still fishing in the morning when Jesus comes. All right, so follow here with me. They go out onto the boat, into the water at night. They are still fishing in the morning, and the Bible says that they caught what? Nothing. Okay? Now all of a sudden Jesus shows up and starts asking them to do something. And so as I was reading it and I realized that they're waiting on Jesus so they go fishing, my thought pattern was this. Why does Jesus show up when he did? Why didn't he show up at night? Why does he show up in the morning? What's significant, what's going on in the life of these fishermen that all of a sudden causes Jesus to have to come forth? And here's what I thought. Here's what, reading it, here's what I thought. They were in the boat at night and they're still in the boat in the morning, right? And they've caught what? Nothing. Does anybody in here fish? Anybody in here, you regularly fish? You're a fisherman or a fisherwoman, you just like to fish? Okay. If you got into the boat at night and you stayed until the morning and you didn't catch anything, what are you doing? 
you're just sitting in the boat, right? You're just floating down the lake. Here was the word I got. Jesus showed up when they started to coast. Because they're just coasting. Just coasting down the lake. Been there all night. Now it's morning. They hadn't caught anything. And all of a sudden, Jesus speaks up. And Jesus starts asking them to do something. Because Jesus will ask us to do something when he notices that we are starting to coast. I, I thought about it like this. I find that God will ask me to do the most the moment I start to coast. You ever heard that statement, do the most? I learned it from Dallas. I didn't know it was a thing until one day my wife was watching a polo of his wife, and she was going off about something, and Dallas said, she's doing the most. I said, what is the most? And it's just this extremity. You're, you're doing more than needs to be done, right? It's, you're doing the most. And I'm learning that God will ask us to do the most the moment that he notices that we start to coast. Hear me, if you think God is asking you to do something that's going to make you uncomfortable, if you think God's asking you to do something that you would consider the most, then you need to check yourself and see, is it possible that I'm starting to coast? Is it possible that God would be speaking to me now and asking me to do something because I'm beginning to become very complacent in where I am? Because coasting is dangerous. I can prove it to you. I've shared with you before that Darla and I have a couple of friends that have jet skis. And we've gone out and had some fun before on jet skis. And these friends contacted us a couple months ago, I guess, or so. It was, summer was kind of coming to an end. And they were like, hey, you want to take the jet skis out one more time before the summer ends? And Darla and I were like, yes. And so they were like, all right, let's do it on this day where all the kids are in school and we can go and be adults without kids. And I'm like, man, that is from the word of God right there, right? Let's just, let's do it. And so we sent them to school. I'm not sure if that was legal or not, but we did it. And so we went on the jet skis, and it was, it was kind of cold outside. Not cold, but the water was cold, and so the lake was empty. Nobody was there. And uh, our friends, husband and wife, they got on a jet ski, and then me and Darla got on a jet ski, and we just went out, and we were having a blast. And about an hour, 15, hour, 20 minutes into it, it started to rain on one part of the lake. And so we were like, ah, we probably should go ahead and go. So we, we went back to the cove area so that we could load up the jet skis and leave. So our friends were loading up their jet skis first. And so in the process, I just had to waste time for a minute. So I was just kind of, you know, I had the, the, the engine was going, but I wasn't pushing the gas or anything. And so we're just kind of sitting there, and, and Darla leans over to me, and she goes, hey, while we're waiting, just go ahead and go around for a little while. And I was like, okay. And so, I, and again, we're in like a no-wake zone, right? It's kind of one of those areas. And I just let it loose, right? I'm like Casey Ray, right? I'm just, and I'm going around in all these circles. And all of a sudden, Darla leans up and she goes, this is a no-wake zone. And, and I had a weird tension in my heart at the moment because one part of me said, ain't nobody's out here. Who cares, right? That's, I mean, that's just natural. But then the other part of me felt this incredible conviction for what I was doing as if maybe I was doing something illegal. And so all of a sudden, I just stopped the jet ski. I just brought it to a complete stop. And, and now all the waves that I've created are coming, right? They're coming right at us. And for some reason, I thought it would be smart while I was coasting to turn the jet ski. Don't know why. Now, keep in mind that to this point, Darla and I are bone dry, all right? We have not gotten wet. We didn't get in the water. Bone dry. That was the goal when we got back in our friend's SUV was to be bone dry. And up to this point, we have succeeded. And so I turned the, the handle sideways, and about that time, one of those waves hit up, and it tipped the jet ski sideways. And as it's going, I had this moment, right, where uh, 
I was trying to use my brain, but it wasn't really optional. And so I thought, well, the reason why it's tipping over is because of the weight. And so if I'll just jump off the jet ski, then the weight will counteract and it'll pop back up and Darla won't have to get into the water because I'm a good husband. And so as the jet ski was over, I just went, woo, and went into the water. And as I'm falling into the water, because I'm a good husband, I wanted to look up to check and see if my wife was surviving. And so as I looked up, I noticed that here came Darla just on me. And she just <laughs> fell on me. And we, went, we both went in the water and we come out of the water. And then I realized I had taken apart the key part that connects to your wrist. You know what I'm talking about? So the jet ski is still running. And so it's just going through the whole time our friends are just putting their jet ski up like do, 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 do. We're in the water, right? Jaws part seven and the jet ski is going. Thank God it happened to make like a U-turn and I was able to jump up and pull the little key out and get back on it. And I got Darla back on it and we started it up and, and Darla looked at me. She said, I managed to be dry this entire time, Troy. I was like, well. And so we, we, we pulled in to be able to put the jet ski up, and our friend, she, she has glasses, and she was like, I didn't have my glasses on, and I couldn't tell what was going on out there. And I was like, don't worry about it. Just load the jet ski. You know what I mean? Don't even worry. Just, just get it on in there. That's when I learned, listen to me, coasting is dangerous. It's dangerous. Do you know how I could have solved that whole problem? How? Push the gas. If I would have just pushed the gas, or wherever the gas is, if I would have just pushed the gas, I would have been fine. Hear me. A lot of times when we start to fall away from Christ and we start to struggle as Christians, it's in the coasting period. And what God wants us to do is hit the gas, right? If we can hit the gas, then we can keep on moving. But we find ourselves coasting, and coasting is dangerous. I wonder sometimes if I invited Jesus into my boat not for a catch, but to coast. You ever thought about that? Did I, when I got saved, was I expecting Jesus to make my life easier? Was I expecting to be no longer needing faith? Did I let Jesus into my boat, not so that we could catch a miracle, but so that we could just coast and it would be easier? Am I the only one? That's fine if I just need to preach to myself. But there's just moments for me where I'm wondering if what I'm really asking God to do is to make my life easier. If it's not so much that I want to experience the miracle or the purpose of God, but I just want to make it easier. I'll go a little further since y'all don't want to be honest with me this morning. Um, when you study Luke chapter 5 and John 21, I was looking at some theologians as they were studying it. And they, were, they, they said that both times that Peter got in the boat to get onto the lake or onto the sea... They said that he got, he, he, he got into the boat from the same shore, okay, from the same shore. Now, the shore that he got in was in a place called, I'm going to be able to pronounce this right because I've pronounced it wrong for a long time. The shore, I used to say this word Capernaum. Y'all see that? C-A-P-E-R-N-A-U-M. I used to say Capernaum, but I learned as I was studying this week, it's actually Kephar Nahum. So say this, say Kephar Nahum. So Peter was in Kephar Nahum. When he got onto the boat in both Luke 5 and John 21, the word Kephar means village. The word Nahum means comfort. So Peter was in the village of comfort. He got into the boat and he started to coast both times when Jesus asked him to give him his net. Are y'all following with me on this? 
And every time that I find myself coasting off the village of comfort, I find God asking me to do something. Because he doesn't want us to become comfortable. And he doesn't want us to just coast. Because he wants us to be able to experience the miracles that he could do through us. But so many of us are off the village of comfort in the boat wanting to coast. I think a lot of us want to be coasting Christians. I just want to coast. Just let me coast, man. I'm in the village of comfort. I'm comfortable. Everything's good. Don't mess anything up. Well, you know, could you do No, I don't want to do that. Well, could you do No, I don't want to do that. I'm comfortable and I'm coasting. But coasting is dangerous. I heard a pastor preach a sermon one time and he introduced this concept and I couldn't get it out of my head. And as I was studying John 21, that concept poked up. The concept, he, he was talking about it in a totally different context, but he referred to it as the second yes. The second yes. So then I was reading John 21 again. And I'm like, all right, check this out. Luke 5, Peter gets on a boat. Peter casts a net. He's not catching anything. Jesus gets in the boat, says cast your net again, and this time he catches something of a miraculous standard. All right, Luke 5, John 21, Peter's back on a boat, he's, on, he's, he's out on the lake, he's casting a net, he's catching nothing, Jesus shows up, says cast it again, and he catches something of a miraculous standard. So here's what I realized, Luke 5 was Peter's first yes, John 21 was Peter's second yes. Say it with me, say second, yes. Try it again, second, yes. Darla and I used to be children's pastors about 10 years ago. Was it 10 years ago? I'm really showing my age here. It was a long time ago. And, and so in, in the kids' ministry aspect, we would do all these different things like skits and stuff, but Darla led worship. And so when the, when the service started, there'd be like this real cute cartoon countdown, and then Darla would run out with the Britney Spears microphone, you know what I'm talking about? Like the big black ball kind of, and she'd run out, and you know, she'd be like, all right, kids, and, and she, they'd start these worship songs. But their worship songs had moves to them, which is what I'm thinking we should start implementing here, right? And so we just be like, here comes heaven, we can actually get people to move, no? Okay. And so... They had all these different moves. Like, I was trying to process them. There was this one called Undignified, and it was based off when David danced naked for the Lord uh, in the Old Testament, and they called him Undignified. And so this song would be like, I will dance, I will sing to be glad for my king, even on Undignified, then this. And then you had to do something Undignified, right? This is as Undignified as you got in kids' church. Y'all have bad ideas already. And so there was, just a, there was one song called Ain't No Rock, Ain't No Rock. Gonna cry in my place. You have to do this. Long as I'm alive, I'll glorify his holy name. Thank you. I'm out here working a sweat, and y'all don't even care. Next Sunday, we're doing Ain't No Rock. We're doing Undignified. And then some Kanye West song. Got to get y'all livened up. But there was this one song, and it was called Trading My Sorrows. Y'all heard this song? Three of you? All right. So, so here's how this, it would go like this. And, and there were, I know the hand movements to this one. Let me make sure I get it in my head. I'm trading my sorrows. I'm trading my pain. Ow. You had to throw in the ow. Not lying to you. In the middle of the song, you had to go, ow. I'm laying them down for the glory of the Lord. That was my favorite part. 
Because, you know, you, get, you hear this so many times, you get kind of bored with it, and you'd be like, I'm laying it down for the glory of the Lord. You start getting, like, exaggerate. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, you just had to do whatever you could do to be excited about it. But then there was this part, like a chorus, and it went like this. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. We got some saints in the house. So let's try this. You ready? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, yes, Lord. That just meant so much to me. We're doing it one more time. Come on, loud. church today. You're all going to serve in V-Kids next Sunday. You're ready. You know what that song taught me? There's more than one yes to following Jesus. It's not just one yes. Yes, Lord, I'm done. It's yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, amen. That's five yeses, y'all. Not just one, but five. And I'm learning the more I grow as a Christian that, listen, when it comes to following God, it's not just one yes. My first yes was salvation. At about 18, 17 years old, Brian Hogwood, the dude who was up here earlier looking like an awesome guy. <laughs> I saw him for a second and got scared. Um, he led me to the Lord. And I said yes at that moment. That was the first yes for me. But that was like carry the seven, what was that, like 17 years ago. I've had a lot of yeses since then. It'd be a problem if the only time I said yes to Jesus in the last 17 years was for salvation. But I've said yes a lot of times. I said yes to cleaning the church, and me and Pastor Brian would clean the pews out with our fingers, and we'd be getting poked by stuff, and then we'd find change and go to Crystal's and get a cheeseburger, right? Because the Lord will bless you when you serve. true. <laughs> say yes to everything. I'd say yes to serving in kids' church. So we ended up getting us a job. Nobody wanted to do it. They hired us. They are like, you're the only people who like kids. We'll just give you a paycheck. Like, we just said yes to so many things. We've said yes to uh, uh, giving and financial. Last year during Purpose Prevails, we said yes to writing the biggest check we've ever written. That was a yes. We said yes to moving here to start the church. I've had so many yeses, I can't even count them. Here's my problem with Christianity, is we have been communicated to people outside that Christianity is about saying no. No, 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 can I do, no, can you do, no, can you do, no, 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 no. Who wants to serve a God that's always no? Christianity is about saying yes. Sometimes my no is a yes to something better. That's the concept, God, I want to say yes. I want to say, yes, God continues to do things in my life, yes, as a result of the first yes, but also a result of the second yes, the third yes, the fourth yes. But, but if I was to be honest with you, here's the deal. Listen, 
I didn't struggle with the first yes. I didn't. Someone died for my sins so that I could go to heaven for eternity? Sign me up, right? It's not hard to say yes to the first yes. I struggle with the second yes. I struggled with the third yes. Anybody? You didn't struggle with the first yes. Salvation was, let's do it. Pastor Brian said, Yo, yep, me, sign me up, give me a book, let me talk to Bobby, Whoop, sign me up, put me in the water tank. You know it was a baptismal tank, so he called it water tank. Say yes to it all, but then it's the yeses that follow. It's the next yes that we struggle with. And I'll prove to you that we naturally struggle with the second yes versus the first yes. Let me give you a couple scenarios. If I'm at home watching TV, and it's at night, and I'm watching a football game, and Darla says, hey, babe, and I go, yes, sweetheart, can you put our precious Veda Bell down for bed, I will say, sure, apple of my eye. <laughs> that was easy, right? But let's say the game has about two minutes left. And I really want to see the end of the game. And Veda going to bed at 8.30 or 8.33 isn't really going to be that much of a difference. So without telling my wife, I stay on the couch to be able to finish. Y'all walking with me here for a minute? To be able to finish those two minutes. And she happens to know it. And she goes, hey, babe. And I'll go, Yes! Right? Can you put, yes, I said yes. It's not the first yes. It's the second yes. Y'all want to play, y'all want to act like it ain't you? Watch this. Let your kid come to you today this afternoon and be like, hey, mom. You'll be like, yes, honey. Can you come here in one second, dearest? And then let you sit on that couch for 30 more seconds. And that kid will be like, hey, mom. You'll be like, What? The second yes is always the hardest. It's not the first yes. The first yes is easy. Yes, yes. Because the first yes is about intention. The second yes is action. Right? The second yes is me doing what I already said I would do the first time. Salvation is intention. God, I want to live for you. I want to give my life to you. The second yes is our action. Now, God, I'm going to show you by how I live my life, right? So the first yes is easy, but it's the second yes that's hard. You still need proof? I'll give you more proof. When you came in, I think you got the annual report when you came in, our annual report. Is that true? Make sure that they're still doing their job around here. I came in a different door, so I wasn't sure. Um, you notice this has 197 salvations on it. Did you see that? When we printed that, two more people got saved last Sunday. So it's actually 199 salvations since we launched this church. Can you give God praise for just a second, right? I mean, God is amazing. 199 people saved. Watch this. There's not 199 people on the dream team. There's not 199 people tithing. Because the first yes is easy. It's the second yes. And the third yes and the fourth yes, and the fifth yes. But the first yes changes your life. The second, third, and fourth, and fifth yes changes somebody else's. Right? So it's not, we can't just stop at the first yes. It's about the second yes, and the third yes, and the fourth yes. And if we stop saying yes, we start to coast. And when you coast, you have nothing to do but look around and find out things you don't like or things you're unhappy about 
and you go from changing people's lives to complaining about your own. It doesn't stop at the first yes. So I'm reading John 21. It's what sparked this whole sermon. And this time, Peter responded differently than he did in Luke 5. In Luke 5, he caught all those fish, and then he was like, yo, homies, come help me with this fish. And they were like sharing it so they could eat. That was the interaction in Luke 5. In John 21, did you catch it? It said he put on his outer garments, and he did what? He jumped in the water. That's a little different. It's a little odd. Not quite sure why he would do that. But it was that moment, that verse, that literally started the foundation for this sermon. Because I was praying about that verse. God, why did Peter jump in the water? He didn't do it in Luke 5. Why did he do it in John 21? And I felt God give me this statement. And literally it was this statement that I started to build this whole sermon around. So if you've been asleep for the past 30 minutes, hear this statement. The first yes is about Jesus getting into the boat. The second yes will be for you to get out of it. The first miracle was all about Jesus getting in the boat. He's in the boat. The first miracle is salvation. You letting Jesus in your boat. That's salvation. The second miracle, the second yes, is you getting out of the boat, out of your comfort zone, being able to serve God and live for God. That's the second miracle. So the first one is Jesus getting in it. But some of us, it's been 20 years, and it's just us and Jesus sitting in a boat. And Jesus is saying, I've been asking you questions to get you out of the boat. Because out of the boat, you start being able to see things that you can't see in the boat. And as long as you're in the boat, it's about provision. But once you get out of the boat, it's about God's presence and purpose. And this is how sweet I think God is to me. Monday morning, I had been soaking on that statement that God told me, that the first yes was for Jesus to get in my boat, and the second yes is for me to get out of the boat. I'd been soaking on that verse, just thinking about it, praying about it, reading it over and over. I'd written it down on my phone multiple times. It's Monday morning. We're at the gym. And I get a text message from our nursery director, Jenny Glim. And she sends me this text message. And it's super, you can tell from the text message she's excited. You know what I'm talking about, those kind of text messages? Like 37 emojis, you know what I mean? Like she's just, she, you can tell she's excited. And here's the story she tells me. There is a lady, and I know where she is in this auditorium, so I'm not going to bust her out. But her name is Camille. And she's actually the individual that's on the annual report when you got it. Uh, I like to joke that she's the mascot of Victory Church. I don't know if she likes that. I don't really care. Um, but <laughs> the reason for that is you've ne I've never, ever interacted with her and her not be smiling and laughing. Never once. And I'm sure she has problems just like everybody else. But she just, she just exuberates the joy of the Lord. And so Jenny sent me this text message, and she was just praising Camille. Oh, Camille's amazing. Camille, 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 Camille. And as I read through it, here's what she said. She said, the past two weeks, we have had different nursery leaders. Jenny just got sick. It happens in the fall. They get sick, and, you know, I mean, we all get sick. It happens. And they had to call out last minute, and Jenny was kind of panicking of what she was going to do, and Camille stepped up and volunteered for those positions. So I'm reading it, and I'm like, man, that's amazing. And I keep on reading. She says, the second time Camille was serving, she serves on a first impressions team, and she serves as a door host. 
And so the second time she had served all morning as a door host and she was walking to go into service when she found out about the need and she turned around and went into the nursery and served that need. And I kept on reading. And then it got towards the end and here's my favorite part. And Jenny said, I remember when I first spoke to her because Jenny took over the nursery just a few months ago. And she said, when I first spoke to her, Camille said to me, I don't do kids. Amen? I got two, and I don't do kids either. And, and look, honestly, Camille right now would say, man, it's no big deal. I know her. It's exactly what she'll say. And, and maybe even to you, you'd be like, man, what's the big deal there? For me, it was, it was seeing a live action illustration of somebody who caught the purpose of the second yes. You know what I mean? Like her first yes, I didn't ask her. I don't know when she got saved, but that was her first yes. But Camille understands the power of a second yes and being able to serve and being able to impact and to change lives. And I guarantee you, two people got saved that Sunday. What if one of those people had a kid in the nursery, right? And because of what Camille did, those lives will be impacted. It's us understanding the power of the second yes and the third yes and the fourth yes and the fifth yes. And I just believe that God will use your yes to be able to change lives. But he can't change lives if we're all in the boat. How does anybody get impacted if we're just all stuck up on the boat? Well, I need you to move. I need you to move. You jump out. No, you jump out. I don't do kids. You jump out. You play the drums, you get out. You know what I mean? Like it's just this concept where we're all on the boat. And God's saying, hey, I'm going to ask you something because we're coasting. And because lives need to be changed. And next week I'm going to take you through what happened once Peter got off the boat. And you're going to see the impact and the lives that have changed because he did. Can I just, can I just, you got your annual report? Pull it up real quick. Look at it real quick. I know the lights are dim. I'm sorry. You just try to, it's in white. You'll be able to read it. Just walk with, the, first of all, this is Erica Hogwood built this, made this. Can we give her a hand real quick? This is the most incredible thing I've ever seen. We love Erica way more than we love Pastor Brian. So we just, I'm kidding. I love you, Pastor. Um. Total baptisms, 41. Wow. Salvations, 199 salvations. That's, that's silly, church. That's silly. 227 in weekly attendance. Do you know, like, I think it was the third or fourth Sunday we, we were at, because we, in case you're visiting, we're almost two years old. We launched January of 2018. Like the third Sunday, that I came out to preach, there were like 17 people in these seats. God's moving, right? You're here. Website visits, 1,900. Podcasts, 15,892 times been listened to. YouTube streams, 170 hours. Go down to God. Small group attendees, 122. Dream Team members, 125. That's what I'm talking about. I love you, Dream Team. Give. Because of your faithful giving over this year, we supported the following groups. Look, we did Serve Day. We did an Easter outreach. If you're here for Easter and our fall outreach, we did all this awesome stuff, and we told the community, just come and have fun. Don't pay a dime. Just come and bring your kids and have a blast and take home prizes and gifts and all these kind of things. Independence Day celebration, Christmas outreach here, Rock Springs Middle School, Operation Saving Lives, Smyrna Food Bank, Smyrna Food Drive, Empowerment Incorporated. We just gave over $1,000 to Convoy of Hope last Sunday in your name, and that didn't even make it on the card. And the missionaries, Katie Carter, Costa Rica, the Bartholos in South Asia. This is phenomenal. Are you proud of your church? 
Now here's what's cool. 100% of this happened because some of you got out the boat. It's the only reason. It's the absolute only reason. Is because people in this room said yes the second time. Here's what I believe. I believe God wants to do even more in 2020. You agree? There are more people in our county that need to know Jesus. There are more marriages that need to be healed. There are more people that need to be baptized. There are more people that need to have their babies dedicated. There are more people that need to listen and be able to give their heart to Jesus on a podcast. There are more people that need to serve. There are more people that need money to be able to do outreach ministry. There are more missionaries that need to be supported. There's more things that need to be done. And we're coming up on year three, and as the church is growing, I think it's important for everyone in here to be ready to say, yes. Yes, God. To whatever you're saying, yes. Every day I get the privilege, not every day, but certainly every Sunday, I get the privilege to shake hands and hear some of the stories of the life change. A couple weeks ago, I shared how there's a couple moving here from Clarksville to be a part of the church and how three years later, there's still people moving cities to be a part of Victory Church. It's the most incredible thing. I was talking with Jamal the other day and we were sharing how I met you. And to see all that you and your beautiful wife have done for this church blows my mind. It's incredible, brother. I thank you. I had a meeting with a guy once. I didn't want to be there. And as the meeting went on for almost two hours, the only thing that even caught my attention in the meeting was he mentioned the name Jeff Butterworth. And honestly, the only reason the name stood out is because of the name Butterworth. Brother likes waffles. Haters going to hate. I said, hey, his name was Jason. I said, hey, Jason, who, who is Jeff Butterworth? He said, oh, he's a friend of mine that leads worship in Smyrna. I said, oh, that would have been important to tell me. He's like, I said, can I, can I get his phone number? He goes, oh, I hadn't talked to him in 20 years. I was like, oh, that's important too. Is he alive? So he said, I'll give you his name because he spells his name different, G-E-O-F-F, in case you want to send him a gift card. It's a little plug for you, buddy. I messaged him on Facebook. I said, hey, Jeff, I don't know you. You don't know me. My name is Troy, my wife and I and some friends are moving here to plant a church in Smyrna and I'd love to meet with you. And at that moment, at that moment, you didn't have to say yes because you said a lot of yeses. You've led worship, designed albums. I mean, I can't, I can't speak out your resume, it's, too, it's beyond my words. But you said a lot of yeses. And because of that yes, 199 people have been saved, Jeff. It's so cool because I could keep going. And I'll do it because my heart is so much for our dream team. I can talk about Jeff A. Probably got off at what? What time did you get off work this morning? Three. How many of y'all got off work at 3 a.m. except for our drummer? 
Got off at three. And look, I'm telling you, I could go all day. I could talk about Tim. Tim's been with me for about eight or nine, maybe ten years. Moved his entire family here, sold his first house that they ever had. Gosh, I could go on and on. And, and, and every dream team member here in my heart, if, if it wasn't for the fact that I think everybody would get up and leave, I would call you out by name because of what you do for this church. I am not a fool, and I am not naive. And I don't think that 199 people got saved because of what I do on the stage. I think they got saved because they met James in the parking lot. Because Camille met him at the door. They went into V Kids and Desiree was behind the signing desk. Officer Ryan was standing there. They walked their kids and they met Sam and Q, the most incredible couple I've ever met in my life. Q's twin, Brian, Paul, that's a joke if you knew him. Then they came down the hallway and they ran into the most incredible welcoming team you've ever seen, Miss Barbara, Mr. Bobby, Miss Nikki. Came into the auditorium where Adam and Caesar and Mr. Larry and everybody was there. Jimmy was high-fiving and shaking hands and they walked in here and then this incredible worship team got up and started leading them in worship and there was just this moment where they knew like there's something special happening here is that the production team's way of telling me to shout y'all out I got you Josh and I got you guys I see you Hunter I see you Andrew Hey, Dream Team, thank you for your yes. Next Sunday, we will do two things. We will take up an offering, our Purpose Prevails offering, and you'll have an opportunity to say yes to that. And we will also have Growth Track, step one, right after church. You'll have an opportunity to say yes to that. And the reason why I tell you that is because I believe that there's another 199 people that need to come to know Jesus. And that makes 400 people, and that means we need more people serving production. I called you out. Stop it. (laughs) We need you, church, because of what I believe God wants to do. So in celebration, we acknowledge what he's done. But in anticipation, we prepare for what he's going to do. Amen. Father, we thank you for the first yes, for salvation, the forgiving of our sins. And in a moment, Pastor Brian's going to give somebody the opportunity to say yes to that. And Father, we rejoice with them. But I also thank you for the second yes. Some of my best friends and some of my best moments came because I said yes to things you were calling me to do. Moments where you were asking me to give of myself. Moments where you were commanding me to come out of the boat. And because I did, my life will never be the same. And I pray for every individual in this room 
over the next six or seven days, I pray you would speak to their heart. Whether it's a financial gift and purpose prevails, whether it's serving, whether it's all the above, I pray they'd have an opportunity and feel moved by your Holy Spirit to go after their second yes and believe with us that so many more will be saved and so many more will be baptized and so many more will be fed and so many more will be ministered to and so many more will serve and so many more connect because we said the second yes. Father, we give you all the praise and all the glory and it's in Jesus' name we pray and everybody said